You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. help any it does actually i think this is the at the opposite of baby shark this is the, it is the, the, opposite. the opposite i opposite love uh i think that might be what we need for people who are afflicted with the baby shark because i'm certain that several hundred several million parents are humming that in their head and just quiet just clawing clawing skin off their body no everyone it. everywhere like go into a like go to a playground right and just start singing it and watch like a riot break out you know who does not want anyone to sing it who and gets super super froggy about it when you do who um, one young master, Arthur Goss. He does. He not starts like it. singing that song, and he no, he loves the song. He just doesn't want to hear anybody singing it. So oh. he's like Arthur, baby shark. He's like, no, mommy, stop. Damn, dog. Yeah, he just cuts it damn off right then and there. Like, you don't sing that song. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like doing that when everyone keeps singing Beyonce songs. So it's I like I feel I I hear it. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Who? You know when. Is- just randomly singing Beyonce songs. Black people. How dare you? <laughs> Listen, I it, it, unless let, you've got the pipes, which right. some do, a small fraction of people do. Right. I am. Um, do not even try to do that. I know just, the lyrics to several Beyonce songs by heart. I have never sung a Beyonce song out loud in my life. I mean, I have, I have sung along with her in the car <laughs> with the windows up of course i mean what i'm not rude and it's just my way of expressing my love through the atmosphere to her she's not hearing me because that would be an insult but she can feel the love so i sing i channel her voice through mine and i'm a very terrible vessel i'm just a bad vessel and i'm not worthy and i understand that i feel like if you sing at her she would be so frustrated with your poor rendition she would just bring you in for a hug immediately to get you mm-hmm. to stop she oh, so, oh thank you so much for the thank you so much baby if, come here, i'm come no here. Oh, i'm no i'm nothing without my fans baby come here everybody come here and she would just hug you all around yep. the top of the head so all your mouths are covered so everyone yep. just can't she breathe would actually, yeah everyone's just huddled in tight oh you know what though i bet it smells amazing Oh yeah, no. Oh, no, just uh, pulling close and just ever. I just would like. I would. I could die. Right. It. Right. Just uh, tight. Yeah, tight bosomy hug. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was the type of thing where if all of a sudden you died, you were strangled by Beyonce. She put you in some stranglehold. <laughs> You'd be like, I, that yes, was worth it. No regrets. No regrets. I. I would love if I could die in a Beyonce, Michelle Obama death hug <laughs> just a sandwich where they're both hugging me tight until i die 
I mean, if I were on death row, can I ask for that as my method of execution? <laughs> I might, I might go kill somebody just to do that. <laughs> you die with a big toothy grin on your face, like Joker gas. Oh, for real? <laughs> just yes. Right. Joker gas. Are you talking about like 1990 Batman? Of course, I'm. Uh, listen. You like a 1990 Batman reference. Yes. Listen, most of us. That's the that's the reference we all understand. That's the ref, that the Kevin Conroy animated series let's, one is the one we all know. We all know that Batman. But also, let's be clear: the greatest, the greatest superhero movie soundtrack was for the nineteen ninety Batman. Oh, Danny Elfman. Oh, Prince. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, right. I forgot he did. The, oh, yes. I forgot he did that. He did the whole thing. Remember Bat Dance? I forgot. I forgot the. What was thing. happening in 1990? I didn't know Prince did a thing with Batman. Yeah. Prince Batman. I didn't know that. I need to do like a. We should do like a live tweet of Batman. With like links to Prince videos. Because I bet there's people who don't know. There's a Bat Dance. Yeah. I what? Know. I didn't know there was Bat Dance. Right, you were like what five? Uh, in 1990, yes, I was a hot eight years old. Yes. Okay. Back when videos were epic. What, 25 minutes long? Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> Let's go. Right. thing is if i had known this existed i would be vehemently against our modern movie treatment like if i had known because we could we, we've left this behind now we can never yeah. have an iron man dance video ever no <laughs> and if i had known we were leaving this behind as we move forward into considering into superhero movies being legitimate cinema i would have been vehemently against it like i didn't realize like i didn't know how people who knew of the bat dance were all about like man this new avengers 10-year movie arc is so great it's all trash now because we yes. can't do this. We can't roll back. We can't have a <laughs> bat dance video. We can't do this anymore. I mean, listen, you you just you can't. We, we know you can't go back to that. So we just sucks. I'm sorry I told you. It was a big secret. Sucks. Avengers <laughs> sucks. He's <laughs> trash. I didn't know this is garbage. I didn't realize like I care about how they resolve this Thanos situation. And there's no video. There's no, we never, there's no, there's I mean, no you know, reason. there's like a whole, there's like a whole like album of stuff. Like there's Party Man. 
talking about Party Man. No, what the fuck is Party Man? What? You don't. I don't know. All right, I'm just gonna. Everybody's got like split faces. <laughs> we're just gonna have to do the show. Cause now, yeah. now this is this is the this is now we're now looking down the abyss, the the deepest, yes. darkest rabbit hole in the history of this program. Yep. So yeah. I we can't we can't jump in. We're just gonna come out the other side like Narnia, <laughs> into some type of 1990s rhythm and dance world. Kind of like that old Moonwalker Genesis game where you just kind of dance and kick things off the screen. Wait, what? You don't remember Moonwalker for Genesis? You played. Was that the Michael Jackson game? Yeah, there was a one for. There was there were two of them. There was an old arcade game where you were like it was like ninja. I do remember. Yes, and you and you dance things to death, and then as your final in your final screen clearing attack, you would dance, and everything on the screen would dance with you for about ten seconds, and then they would die because they were not my (laughs) question. Which is why I don't sing with Beyonce songs because I fear that if <laughs> at the end of the song I might just die or turn into sand. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unreasonable Fridays. I'm your host, Aaron Rand Freeman, and with me I have the waterlogged, perpetual. What are you? What are you now suffering? Like long suffering now because of the rain? Are you now long suffering? I has, your, has the pool overflowed? Almost. Uh, it's almost overflowed. It's it's raining so much now that Southern California doesn't know what to do, so they're just pushing really loud alerts to my phone every hour dasha mitchell everyone dasha mitchell waterlogged dasha mitchell i'm here i'm alive i apologize to my listeners if i sound a little coldy i've got that cold y'all know the one right the cold it's just cold yeah it's just it's the you know it's just it's all in my head it's in my face i'm in recovery but it just it does i don't sound great january sucked January was some type of trench war, some type of World War One trench war. And yeah, then we were under attack. We were. And then February, Black History Month is um just very weird. It feels like white people are trying to co-opt it. <laughs> like Listen, just outright. So you go on. Today today is we're recording this on Valentine's Day. That's very beautiful. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Happy Valentine's Day. Um I only know it's Valentine's Day because I've got the paper cuts on my hands <laughs> <laughs> to prove it because I was enlisted by my daughter to assemble Valentine's for her class. That's beautiful. Yeah, she was. she's actually a very good boss. She heaped loads of praise. She liked my simple designs, <laughs> which felt a little bit like a dig, but she was very, she had a big smile on her face. She said, I'm so grateful that you bought these for me so that I could share them with my class and that you're helping me. That's a boss, by the way. That's a, that, yeah, that's how, that's, how you, that's how you're supposed to treat your employees. Yeah. Your employees, Gratitude. Good employees make your job easier. Yeah. Future president, everybody. Um, but as of the, when we air the show, it will be February 15th, slightly over the halfway point for Black History Month. So I think it's fair that we we just do a recap <laughs> of where we are in Black History Month so far. 
I think we should just do a, a Black History Month halftime show. That's my that's my proposal. It's fine. Halftime analysis of what the yep. fuck. Yep, we're gonna look back on um the plays, the um the pe- penalties, standout the performances, flags. I don't know what's happening, but you know, in a halftime show, sports ball reference here. So when you want to talk about sports but don't know about sports, you say this refers to standout performances from the preview from the first half or previous contest. And you said either Yes. You stand out performance from the first half of the contest or stand out performances from the previous contest. I think we, we should make predictions for who will be the MVP. <laughs> There's some strong contenders. Very strong contenders. But before we we uh, jump into our our uh, halftime show, do we have any? Um, oh yeah, we have stuff. We need people to do things. All right, we have Patreon. <laughs> we have Patreon. It pays for things. Pays for the hosting. Pays for the equipment. Pays for the equipment that inevitably breaks. Pays for people's food. Time to time, everybody needs food. Yeah, so, subsidizes folks' bills. That's right. We uh um, we pay for people. I mean, we just pay for people. www.patreon.com backslash on Fridays. You can donate any amount of money from $1 to $2.7 million, including $2.7 million worth of goods and services and property. So if you have like a, um, a three, four bedroom house in the Bay Area, you just just burning a hole in your pocket. Um, you can give that over instead of like, because you can't really like, you know, you have the million dollar home, but you don't want to pay the monthly subscription because, you know, times are hard. Yep. Um, just, you can sign that over to us here and we will assume ownership of your $2.7 million home. We will take that off your hands. Right. And just to relieve you of some of the stress so you can make ends meet. And in exchange, like I said, there'll be more content. We can have people, we can have bacon in the jail. I go move into that $2.7 million. So it will become the Unreasonable Friday's mansion, the official headquarters of Unreasonable Fridays. And you will no longer have to deal with the struggle of having a $2.7 million Bay Area home. And it's hard out there. Right. And you will have better quality podcasts from us. Just there you go. That's patreon.com backslash on fridays um like i said i know that i know that times are hard people are having trouble making ends meet so if you have a home um a vehicle like if you have a multi-million dollar fast and furious style car collection for example but you have you just don't have anywhere to drive it all then you know you can also sign that over I mean, and gas then, is expensive. Right. Gas is very expensive. So then we will become the owners and it will become the official. It will become the fleet of unreasonable Fridays. And then people will have cars and then we'll be more mobile. We'll drive around um, because, you know, even though I've never driven a Ferrari, I will take that shit right to Safeway <laughs> <laughs> like an adult, <laughs> like a goddamn adult. So. Um, I mean, also it, it being Black History Month. Hey, white listeners, why don't you kick in a few bucks and assuage a little bit of that guilt? I mean, I understand that y'all owe us about a trillion and a half dollars. <laughs> but you made it very clear that you don't want to have any part of that. It's not fair. You weren't responsible or whatever. But you still kind of feel a little bit bad about the way things are, are going down. White folks 
it's not a good look this month. So yeah, kick in a few guilt bucks. If they spin the same as regular bucks. <laughs> That'd be a great cryptocurrency for black people. Guilt, <laughs> guilt bucks. Guilt bucks. <laughs> I mean, the value would skyrocket. <laughs> Anytime any prominent white person opens their mouth, apparently. Want to absolve yourself of feeling terrible about your people, about the tribe, <laughs> white folks? You can invest in guilt bucks. You can send a black person some guilt bucks. Just, uh, you know, just um, leave a brick of money on someone's tube. There you go. All right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think also, um, if you want to contact us, we are available on Twitter at uh, unfridays, twitter.com backslash unfridays. Also, um, on Facebook, you search Unreasonable Fridays. And uh, yeah, I think we are. All right. No, also, we have shirts. I didn't realize again. We have merch. Wait, T- we have merch? That's right. We have merch. Tpublic.com. Unreasonable Friday. You search Unreasonable Friday. Hey, shirts. And you can get shirts. You can get hoodies. And They're real cute, too. I, I'm putting in a plug for the uh, Unreasonable Gaming shirts. Oh, only right. because it was designed by one. Althea Goss, she she did a great job. Thank you, Althea. Wherever yeah. you are. Yeah, she drew she drew the most adorable little demon baby I've ever seen. <laughs> Which increasingly bears a striking re- resemblance to her little brother. So <laughs> I see you. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yesterday I uh I picked up uh Arthur at school. Right. And every day, because it's a delightful little daycare, um, they write a note about what he did that day. And it's usually like, Arthur had a great day playing in the sand, and we learned about magnets, and we told him not to stare directly in the sun, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yesterday's note was a little bit different. They kept talking about safety. (laughs) What? And how to teach him about safety when playing with others. And I was like, oh, no, what happened? So oh, I talked no. to the teacher. And he and one of his friends, they were they started out by running around playing a chase game. Mm-hmm. And then chase turned into run around and bump into each other oh, at boy. full speed. Oh, boy. Everyone's still having a great time, though. Mm-hmm. And then that slowly, that, and that quickly evolved into run around, chase, smack into each other. And then Arthur picked up this little boy <laughs> by his mid chest, wrapped his arms around him, and threw him <laughs> like a rag doll across the playground. <laughs> I want everyone to remember that this little boy is two and a half years old. Your boy is invincible. And that little boy is older. And bigger. He threw a he threw a bigger he threw a bigger boy across the He threw a bigger boy across like just threw him. The little boy is okay. He did not know that that was actually a dangerous move and was laughing about it. But all the teachers saw it and were like, oh no. <laughs> so I had to have a little, you know, sit down chat with him about safety and when people say no, even though no one had said no, no one had stopped. No yeah. one, everyone was having a great time, but like we want to make sure that we don't throw people. Um, but I guess he's he's like this little 
like Hercules up in there. Like he he picks it. The teachers all have these heavy wooden chairs right. that they sit on, and the reason why they have these heavy wooden chairs is so that the children can't move them around. They're big. They're solid wood. They're heavy. And Arthur just picks them up and walks around with them and moves them <laughs> as he wants to. So he can try and climb up walls and stuff. <laughs> so we've now reached. It's been, I guess, a, a six months that he's been in in daycare, and we've already like reached the moment where the teachers are starting to look at him like, "Can we handle this? Are yeah. we gonna be able to do this?" I mean, we don't know. We've never really seen how long it takes for super strength to manifest. We don't really talk about that. We always see superheroes are all like 15 and stuff, but we don't know when they start bending metal and how difficult it must be to deal with a two-year-old that can bend metal. <laughs> right. So I don't know what, like, honestly, I don't know what you're going to do, mom. Like, I don't know um, what your story, I don't know how you're going to manage that. Um, we are trying our best to <laughs> teach this little boy consent. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. How do you teach a two and a half year old consent? Any of y'all parents out there who have a a strong willed child, boy, girl, doesn't matter. The way that you teach a kid about consent is no matter how much they're giggling when you tickle them, tickle, 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 ha 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 ha. The moment that Arthur says, "No, mommy, stop," I stop. Hmm. That's pretty much it. Now, a half a second later, he'll say, "Tickle me, mommy, tickle me, mommy," and then I'll tickle him. And then I start tickling him, and he's, ha, 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 and he says, no, mommy, stop. So then I stop. You see how that works? He says, I want you to do this thing. Okay, I've had enough. Stop. And I just follow his instructions. That's consent. The more you know, everybody. Pretty simple. Simple stuff. Now, if only some grown-ass adults could no. follow this advice. No. I mean... Either you learn about consent when you're a child or you don't learn it at all, it would seem. Yeah. Yep. So. You just have no and earthly then, idea. And then you remain massively confused about the concept, no matter how many times and how many ways it's explained to you as an adult. You're just completely confused. Yeah. I have so much blackface to talk about. It's fine. We can slide on by to blackface. Let's slide in. Let's slide into the... Um, this, this is going to be our blackface spectacular, everybody. First, um, we've got to talk about what's going on in Virginia. I know people know, but I don't know if people know like the full timeline of what has happened in Virginia. All right, let's walk, so walk everybody through it. Quickly walk walk some people through what's going on in Virginia politics. Um, so there's three figures of note. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, Attorney General Mark Herring. It's also important that these are number one, number two, number three in charge of executive powers in the state. So governor steps down, lieutenant governor is in charge, lieutenant governor steps down, AG is in charge. All three step down, we're left with a Republican. All three are Democrats, by the way. If all three step down, we're left with a Republican House Speaker, Kirk Cox. So, <clears throat> but we should be fine, right? There's like, there's like two other people between Northam and the Republican right. guy. Yeah, 100%, right? Sure, sure, sure. So, um, a couple weeks ago, um, 
Northam, so Northam was talking, to, uh, got into an exchange um, about abortion. And he was trying to explain about like late term abortion and that kind of took off in right wing circles. So people were kind of coming after him. That was January 28th was the interview. Friday, February 1st, a racist photo from North Ralph North of 1984 medical school yearbook shows up. That was supposedly sourced from uh, big league politics which is a right-wing outfit. And it shows there's a someone in blackface alongside another person in a KKK outfit in 1984. Right. Uh, I was alive in 1984. I was conscious in 1984. It was not okay to do any of this in 1984. No. No, no I can attest. It was not okay. It was bad. They had like very special episodes of like different strokes and <laughs> Nell and shit about it because that's not, we don't do that. Um, so uh, Northam comes out and apologizes. Right. And then tries to moonwalk. So we, well, he writes an apology that was like, I'm so sorry. This is not, um, you know, like this is, I'm sorry if I offended anybody. It actually, in terms of like public statements, it was kind of like, I mean, not great because none of it is great, but it was better than some. Right. But then he backpedals the apology on Saturday by saying he doesn't think that he's either of the people on the page, but he admits that he did once dress up as Michael Jackson for a dance contest wherein to be a more convincing michael jackson because it was the 80s uh-huh and michael jackson's face was still brown uh-huh he wanted to just seal make sure that he really went all in on this contest so he went into someone's closet found brown shoe polish <laughs> and rubbed it all over his face <laughs> right then in a press conference this fool tried to moonwalk <laughs> to prove that he was in fact dressing up as Michael Jackson to which to his wife's credit she was like I don't really think that's okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is the time or the place for uh, it's, you're trying to apologize for blackface and I think if you did the moonwalk that might be a bad look <laughs> So Sunday, it's been three days, by the way. <laughs> so we have an apology Friday. Saturday, we have an attempted moonwalk, moonwalk and a backpedaling of um of the of the apology. Um then they're thinking that like, oh, he's gonna have to step down because everyone's mad about this because it is offensive and he's he's not taking account for what he's done. And so the all eyes turn towards Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. Which, uh-oh, turns out as far back as 2004, this motherfucker's been accused of sexual assault. <laughs> now I want to take a moment for a second because there's been some 
chitter chatter out there about like why is it that when only when people become in the in the in the limelight that that folks come out no he this woman tried to tell her story in 2004 right that was 15 years ago and he still made it right okay so now we got blackface governor and uh rapey lieutenant governor this is not looking good so far we got we got two down folks who should probably step aside but we still have the ag right we got the attorney general right yeah so everything's everything's gonna be fine so monday comes along fairfax is like i didn't do that in the typical like you've been accused of something and you don't want to actually like come to terms with anything that you've done Mm. um more details about the the assault um come out He's saying it was consensual. We all know this narrative. It's disgusting. Right. I believe that lady. I believe both of them ladies. Um, but um, but as attention turns to him, Northam is kind of like <laughs> <laughs> literally moonwalking his way out of the room <laughs> and trying to get back to work. Um <laughs> so that he can try and like get Amazon to come to Virginia, right? Like that's what right. he's working on right now, which is a whole other thing. Okay, so like then <laughs> um on the AG number three in line, uh Mark Herring on Wednesday, um, who had called for Northam to step down. Because what Northam did was incredibly offensive. Out of nowhere, acknowledges that he wore blackface <laughs> when he went to a party at the University of Virginia in 1980. I mean, <laughs> let him get in front of it. I mean, I, I mean, I guess. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, you got to get in front. I mean, you got to get in front of it. The worst thing now is when you get found out because, you know, because I mean, Northam's response to it was terrible. And I figure he just like there's always it seems like these weird things that happen to white men where they get caught out there and then their response is stifled because apparently their counsel is just other meathead white dudes. So they're just like, you don't let yourself get pushed around by whomever. So then they wind up doubling down and looking really foolish and then moonwalking on stage, having retracted an apology that they just gave. So shout out to this other guy for actually just being like, no, nah, I fucked up. I'm gonna, just going to volunteer this now. <laughs> like, let here's, me get in front of this. Here's where I respectfully disagree. This motherfucker, he knew, he knew, knew that this was wrong. Knew. And he wasn't, it was, wasn't about him like, I'm going to get found out because of the number one and number two are, um, are going to step down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People are going to find out. Like, I mean, do you have, a, is there a picture? It's not like he showed a picture and was like, this was me and I'm sorry. He just said like, yeah, this thing happened once. Also, I do call into question the fact that he wore blackface in 1980 to look like a rapper. <laughs> Ain't no white dude in Virginia knowing about any rap in 1980. That's what like, who are, like oh, literally, who are you? I was like, who are you? Oh, he's smokescreen. Yeah. Oh. oh huge smoke screen like what's he dressing up like curtis blow <laughs> you didn't know who curtis blow was dj cork 
that was. So no, it's a smoke screen. These that dude literally threw up blackface as a shield, which is the most staggering amount of privilege and white nonsense I have seen in a minute as a way to deflect blackface allegations and impropriety against the governor this motherfucker i'm spartacus the thing and was like i did it too (laughs) you can't kick us all out we all did it i mean i just i want to just and i just also would like to say that this is we're only into half of the first week of black history month when all this is happening it was like three days into Black History Month. Yeah. Meanwhile, black folks in Virginia apparently are just like, well, just let that man do his job. They all racist. <laughs> we just, it's like folks in Virginia are like, we already assume every white person dresses <laughs> up in blackface the moment they walk in their house. They walk in, they're like, hi, honey, it's dinner ready? And takes off their shoes and puts on their sweater and rubs some shoe polish on their <laughs> face and goes and has a seat. Seems fair. Yeah. I mean, I have to assume that's what's going on because y'all seem to love it so much. And couldn't like what okay. White people. White people. This is for this is for for you. This I want I want you to help me understand something because I really don't get it. Why shoe polish? Like nowadays we got Fenty. <laughs> we can go get some foundation. Um, and even in 1984 there was fashion fair. What are we doing? I'm going to say that racism in and of itself has never been um has never been innovative. I don't think anyone has really taken a hard look at racism and really looked at like the actual like methods and practices of racism. Like someone was being racist is like, "Hey, if I'm going to make fun of these niggers, do I have to go through the half of this bottle of shoe polish, this canister of shoe polish to do it?" Like, can't we just put something else that's less costly on our faces if we're to make fun of niggers, John? And then John would be like, yeah, maybe there's like some type. Maybe we can use like foundation or maybe like maybe something even edible like chocolate, something that works, you know, long term more than shoe polish. We find that racism has not has just been an unchanging American tradition. So whoever thought about using shoe polish and the shoe polish has remained for decades i just don't i don't i don't see it it's the same thing when you look at right-wing websites racist blogs right. imagery you just don't see none of them use flash like even none of them have stepped anywhere even approaching they're all just like geo cities race uh websites about the immigrant menace <laughs> and jews controlling the media and all this bullshit so it's like it's just i think it's just tradition i think the stagnancy is part of the tradition well then, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a call. Then I'm gonna need you all to to go go in 100 percent since y'all seem to love it so much. I want you to get collect all of your your champagne corks, your wine corks, and I want you to burn them in a little bowl and mix it with some Vaseline and rub that on your faces because <laughs> that's the OG way to do it. That's how your ancestors did it. You're gonna do it. Do it right. <laughs> Y'all seem to love it so much. Oh my god. Which I just do not understand. That is story one of Blackface. Let's move on to number two. Please, let's move on to number two. Mm, Michael Ertel. You know who he is? Mm, no. 
No, you don't need to know, but we'll find out. Um, he was the Florida Secretary of State, and he resigned. Oh, I know. Yeah. At the beginning of February, oh, because yeah. Yeah. a photo emerged of him wearing blackface when he dressed up as you ready? Who who did he dress up as? A Hurricane Katrina victim at a Halloween party. Why? Guess and do you think that this was a like like a party last year? You know, it's been like thirteen years since Katrina. It was like last year or the year before. No way. Knowing 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 white Americans, as I do, I am I am intimate. I'm intimately knowledgeable that that party probably happened not like literally the the celebrate the actual disaster. <laughs> like they literally he won and he read about it. He went in his closet, his racism closet, came out dressed up. He was ready immediately. Yeah. Yeah. He dressed up. It was uh, Halloween 2005. Right. 1,865 people died. Right. I'm sorry. I did it wrong. 1,836. Right. People died. Yeah. Folks still missing at this time. <laughs> and this fool thought, you know what would be a really good funny Halloween costume? Let me let me let me dress up as a hurricane Katrina victim. Try put it. some shoe polish on my face, put a scarf on my head, Try put it. some fake titties on. Try this is hilarious. Right. You got it. He he did what I actually think is the was actually the only appropriate thing that's happened out of this. Someone asked him about it when he said that he was going to step down. And he said, there's nothing I can say. Yeah, you're goddamn right. There isn't right. actually. There's nothing you can say. Goodbye. You're right. He actually handled that correctly. Goodbye. There's nothing I can say. Because I don't What can you say? Oh, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no correct explanation for blackface. And then to um, apparently your blackface is because you're making fun of Katrina victims immediately after the fact. Immediately after. So, yeah. I, I, what? How dehumanizing. I just. White people. I may be like. Rhetorically asking, like, I don't understand why y'all do this. No, I know why y'all do this. Because you don't see us as people. And that is fundamentally why we all hate it so much. Right. And also, we keep telling you, it dehumanizes us. It makes us feel like you don't see us as people. And y'all still still keep doing it. They, they get real obtuse. The mental gymnastics always start once you try to come at them with some, just on the basic, we don't like it. It doesn't make us, it makes you feel like you're dehumanizing us. You're dehumanizing us when you do it. Take it from the mouths of black people. And then the mental gymnastics routine starts and the back flipping starts and the dancing and the twirling, <laughs> the diving and the rolling starts and they get real obtuse. It becomes a real complex, a real complex topic for them to understand. They have no idea Don't what you're talking it. about. They cannot understand. And, you know, it becomes a thing where they, they and they think like it means something to them, like the white people will speak about it like it means something to them which has always been peculiar to me. Like, you know, it should be easy for you to do something if it is, if, if it is disposable, as you say. White people talk about it like it's always a mistake, like it's something. But they, 
then you should have no like problem. They stumbled into a shoe polish factory. Right. And if that's the case, <laughs> and if you fucked up and you tripped and fell face first in the shoe polish and you just rubbed it on your face and then decided to say fuck it and got a red thriller jacket and then started doing moonwalking <laughs> because you already had the shoe polish on your face, which is fine. Then when black people say don't do that, it should be easy to avoid slipping and falling into further canisters of shoe polish. You should always watch where your shoe polish canisters are in the off chance this happens again because the black people don't like it. I'm not worried about it. Like I said, black people say they don't like it. So I'm just going to go ahead and take it. It should be easy for me to avoid this. Should be easy. That is never the case. Also, other white people. Now. I have a few questions about this. One, Northam doesn't remember whether or not he dressed up as a member of the KKK or in blackface in that photo. He doesn't remember. Right. He does remember dressing up as Michael Jackson. Sure. So question number one, how many times do you have to dress up in blackface before you forget whether or not you've dressed up in blackface? Like, are there people out there who are like, ah, that could be me? Is that is that a thing? But um, I also need white folks. The other question I have is, he was at a party. There were other white people there. Right. So white folks, look back in your past. How many parties have you gone to where there just been white people dressed up in blackface? I'm going to assume all of them because stuff just keeps coming out. There's just like an unending source of photos of white people dressed up in blackface. If if white people want to be, if they really are trying to wipe their hands, every white person wants to not be, they're trying to wipe their hands of all responsibility. I understand that. But if you let one of your tribesmen say they forgot, then it becomes, so then how, and the next question is logically, how often does this happen so all of you are used to it. So no one said anything. And the person that does it does it so often that they forgot. So we're led to believe that blackface happens so often that you can't recall. So all of you see it so often and none of you say anything. It makes you super complicit by allowing one of your tribesmen to be like, well, I forgot. I doing it. it falls on you police yourselves because then it looks like they said we're just sitting here like i guess all of you have always gone to parties full of people with blackface and have said nothing because the everyone who gets out it is like oh, i forgot except the one guy who had the good sense to be like i fucked up and then jumped out a window <laughs> you know i mean i also think this is a lesson for like our allies is so overused but if you consider yourself to be a progressive white person with first of all don't ever say without a racist bone in your body i don't know what that is no it's not you don't have racism in your heart like this isn't <laughs> we have no way of testing for this here for such a deep such a deep insidious issue you can't break it down you can't break it down like an episode of sesame street no. you know i mean like all of a sudden now you're like i don't Race have racism in my connected to the I don't have racism in my heart. And I was like, no, we were talking about a deep institutional issue that's killed millions of African-Americans. And now all of a sudden you're explaining it like Elmo would. Right. Stop. But I think, I think the one thing that like is a marked difference that I have noticed amongst white folks that I would consider to be on a woke trajectory and white folks who are flailing. <laughs> Maybe you want to be on the woke trajectory, but you just can't get there. 
got hangups. The difference is, is that the white folks on the on the woke continuum, they're actually, I think that a big part of it isn't just that we're like black people are seen as human beings. I think the other thing is that a, a keen awareness that they are white and that when other white people do stuff, it reflects badly on them. So they're actually running around to white people who are acting a fool saying, stop doing that. It hurts people's feelings and you're making me look bad. You're making us all look like idiots. Stop it. So if that helps you to understand how to get on the woke trajectory, just see all of these other white people as just a flat out embarrassment. Because you should be embarrassed. You should feel collective shame. Because it does reflect on you. Yeah. It just does. Same thing with um, uh, Gucci. Gucci got in trouble because they have a black face turtleneck. Y'all need to, like, for real. <laughs> like, you need so much black face in your life that you make, like, a black face ski sweater. It's just... I... I feel like these things happen because white some white folks are just like fuck all this diversity crap. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna be racist. I'm just gonna it's, do the racist thing because there's no way. It's just ins- or it's like it it might be that or it might be like just an insi- just the insidiousness of white supremacy culture. There's there were no black people in the production of this who felt and even if there were they didn't feel empowered to speak up about what they saw. Right. Like, instead of Gucci issuing uh, an apology of like, ooh, yeah, we totally didn't see that. Mm, Sorry. What I'd like to see them do is a thorough audit of their work culture. Because this managed to go from, like, this isn't something that they just thought of last weekend and produced overnight. Like, this was part of a collection that was vetted. By many eyes, many people saw this and no one thought like, yeah, that's that's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> like not one person, which means that even if you do have black people in there, you got your your you fulfill your diversity quota or whatever. Then black people don't feel included in anything because if they did, they would have said something. You would have listened and you wouldn't have this problem. It's... Which leads me to like I think the most insidious thing is that I think now companies are just like building in like a a PR budget for like racism snafus. Right. It's kind of the same way the police just has a budget for the people they shoot. <laughs> right. They just have a fund for like, well, let's just like kick them a few dollars because like we know we're going to kill at least like 17 Negroes this year. So, I mean, budget, just racist budget projections. I mean, it is easier um, because we give we give white folks the benefit of the doubt. One hundred percent of the time um, they know by acting confused, they will have the approval and understanding of a vast majority of their audience of their audience. Because white people, white people can make they they link up their community is confusion and shock. They are shocked that racism still exists, and mortified and confused as to when they do something racist themselves. 
and they all link up on this. They're like confused. And then a bunch of other white people flood Twitter and they're like, I didn't know blackface was such a thing. And then, you know, the rest of them are like, I can't believe racism is still a thing. And that's like 85% of white people. <laughs> the right. community being shocked or confused at racism that they're actively engaged in while admitting and acknowledging none of it. <laughs> and eventually they just make so much noise. It's just like, it's just like, it's like, you ever seen um, like a high school prank where you flood the hallways with like chickens or whatever? It's just uh-huh. the same really distracting. Just as all these chickens, it's just, it's just distracting all this noise. It just, so we never wind, we wind up nowhere. And they know. Right. It. Well, because, because whiteness, it's, this is just like white fragility writ large, right? Like white fragility is def- like I'm taking specifically the Robin D'Angelo definition of white fragility, right. where you feel like you're being like personally attacked when someone is like, "This is racist." Right. Saying the word "white" makes you feel personally attacked. <laughs> talking about white supremacy makes you feel personally attacked. <laughs> feeling uncomfortable about race is equated to feeling like your life is in danger. Which it is not. One is discomfort, like the room just got a little chilly, and one is death. <laughs> and we know the difference because, as black people, we are very experienced in the death part of it. Mm-hmm. So we know the difference between like dying and feeling like someone needs to turn up the thermostat. Yeah, white. That's it's that's just white fragility writ large. All like, I just I think I might just start just linking the white fragility book to just every white person everywhere who speaks just read just read this just just read it it's written by a white lady it's for white people there you go guys for it's you have your own fubu now for us by us white people (laughs) only it's about like doing the work of waking the fuck up stop offending everybody Maybe it just starts with everybody going into their shoe boxes and finding all the blackface photos <laughs> and doing some apologizing. So this is your time. It's the halfway point of 2019's Black History Month. And so far, we are up to our eyeballs in blackface. The least you could do for the second half of this month is go on a two week apology tour. <laughs> And honestly, even if you can't find any, you should just apologize anyway. Right. And I have a script for you even. I don't want to hear all about the details. We don't need to know all that. You can just say like, you know, dear black people, you're right. And I am so sorry. I will do better. Thank you. And good night. Like, that's it. All right. Blackface. Um... We still have uh, Howard Schultz is still running for president. I thought we told him to go fuck himself. Um, like I thought did. someone specifically went up to one of his press conferences and yelled at him to go fuck himself. In someone great did. I did see that. <laughs> fuck right off. <laughs> right. So it's like I don't like that's just not. It's you know. the greatest moment. <laughs> it's the right. greatest moment. But so H- Howard Schultz. Um, apparently doesn't see color. Perfect. Yeah. So he not only thinks that um that um AOC's new Green Deal is unrealistic, which okay. I love that all these billionaires are coming out saying that they don't agree right. with her wanting to tax the rich. 
Meanwhile, he's sitting on top of fucking rubies and emeralds and gold coins <laughs> in a castle by himself, talking about how he wants to be president and he doesn't see color. I just, I don't actually have much more to say about that fool other than your coffee is burnt. I don't like it. You're too rich, period. You're just too rich. You don't need three and a half billion dollars. You just don't. Give up like a third of that and solve homelessness or something. Jesus Christ. And do we have to go into why not seeing color is ridiculous? Do we have to? I like how I like how he was. He said his he said he was running from a centrist platform <laughs> while being just the sil just the most basic, like basic rich white guy possible. Yeah, I mean, he's I don't know what differentiates this white man from and like, any other rich white man i don't and like we're in the throes of a millionaire or however we don't know how much donald trump is actually worth anymore the um whatever our seven whole dollars seven dollar millionaire president um we don't need another we don't need another president coming and trying to pr protect the rich Nope. There are a lot of things that Donald Trump has um, illuminated America to what they don't like. We, we America now figured out the few things. There are a few things that we can agree upon. We don't like. We're kind of down on the rich now. Like he got in. He got in the office on racism and being a rich guy that everybody knew from television. So now people are not, they're not down on the racism because the nigger situation is out of control in this country. But <laughs> the what we are getting around to the point where rich businessmen are not the capable leaders of industry that we assume. So we do not need another one who then is actively trying to protect the rich further and then walking in and immediately attacking the darling of uh, the darling of the left immediately yeah. with a reasonable request. Yeah. Yeah. He also, so in this, um, when he was in this interview, he uh, described how he's, he doesn't see race and he was he grew up in a very quote in a very diverse background as a young boy in the projects what yeah so um he did uh grow up in a uh, housing development um that was controlled by the new york city housing authority but when he lived there in 1970 he was making the equivalent of his family income was the equivalent of about 70 grand. Right. In today's dollars. Which is not what when you say you grew up in the projects. You're implying that you grew up poor. He did not. He was he was pretty he was pretty middle class. Also, that project was 90% white people. Right. So what is he even talking about? Like people just say that just start talking stuff and they don't they don't think that anyone's going to look them up right black we can see you and like you're just trying to you're just you're just saying that because it's funny because they'll just say that you they were a part of a thing that became the symbol of impoverished blackness like impoverished people of color you being in the project's not the same thing it's just no. not the same thing and we'll look this nope. up we'll look this up and it's not hard to look up mm-hmm just, say, no. just saying you were raising the projects doesn't have the same ring to it if you were in the project. And what year was he in the projects? 
1970? Right. 1970 just doesn't have the same impact. No, sir. I just... Also, he's just surrounded by a bunch of sycophants who were like, Howie! Gonna save the world with coffee! Go for it! You're gonna be president! <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, for someone who is a CEO of Starbucks, his own campaign is wildly tone deaf. Starbucks was very much oh. a thing that people wanted, and it was kind of packed... It was kind of... It kind of hit... It started where it needed to start and expanded kind of with a uh, finger on the pulse of America. It was actually rather well done. As much as yeah. we might not like a Starbucks every 50 feet, Starbucks is well done. It's a sign of good quality branding, a combination of sure. branding and business yes. that is amenable to how people want American businesses to go. So we don't mind a Starbucks taking over every block because we know Starbucks has decent food, decent coffee, treats its employees different, decently. It's a decent place. Everything works Starbucks reason whatever Howard Schultz is doing he came out he came out with no idea what people wanted swinging at all the wrong people and then flailing all over the place he came out he came out wildly tone deaf compared to the actual product that made him famous like there's nothing Starbucks like it there's nothing Starbucksian about his campaign so far and that's embarrassing like he what right <laughs> yeah also, he, like, I mean, and it was also in response to, like, the two black men getting arrested in a Starbucks. Like, his whole, his response was, I, I don't, I don't see color. Right. And just, like, newsflash everybody, just as a reminder, when white people say, I don't see color, what you're actually saying is, I refuse to recognize a history of systematic violence and bigotry from white people to black people. I just refuse to see it. Because I don't have to. Right. That's what that is. There's no way to dance around it. The moment that that escapes your lips, the moment you're thinking it inside of your head, that is what you're thinking. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, to continue Black History Month celebrations, <laughs> we're going to shift gears from the white people to a couple of black folks who just let's start with Candace Owens. You remember what Candace Owens did? You know who she is? I know she is um one of those uh one of those um black folks um making a living off of um defending racism, making white people feel better. That's like her job. Yeah. I don't know yeah, she, the specifics she's of a, it. Yep, she's a conservative commentator. She's like all of 29 years old um she's she's pro-trump she's critical of black lives matter um she's just she's like the, she's the black girl that shows up on fox news who like defends when like stuff is not being racist when it clearly is right um she went from really having like no interest in politics and being a democrat to suddenly being like a conservative uh Trump supporter who's like pro Western civilization and whatever the fuck. Like she's um influenced by some pretty great people like Ann Coulter and Milo Yiannopoulos. Classic. So we know she's all right. Well she's all the way she's already she's too deep in the sunken place to retrieve. Oh yeah. She's yeah, if she comes to the cookout, she's like bringing us all down with her. <laughs> so she can't come. Um but this woman literally got on uh, in front of a bunch of people and said that Hitler wasn't that bad. 
what? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, uh, and okay, by saying Hitler, she didn't actually say Hitler isn't that bad. Technically. <laughs> she was talking, about, she had a question, uh, fielded a question about the word nationalism and why um, nationalism basically is a bad rep. She says, uh-huh. Um, and I quote, I actually don't have any problems at all with the word nationalism. I think that it gets the definition. I think that it gets, that is the definition gets poisoned by elitists that actually want globalism. Globalism is what I don't want. So when you think about, whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, at least in America, is Hitler. Which I'm like, do we? Is that where we? Is that where we go? <laughs> okay. Um. Sure. Okay. Sure. We all jump to Hitler when we think about nationalism. Fine. You know, he was a national socialist. But if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. The problem is right. The problem is. With Hitler, by the way. That's who she's modifying. The problem with Hitler. <laughs> so I'm so eagerly waiting for this black, young black woman to tell me what the problem with Hitler is. Problem with Hitler. He had dreams outside of Germany. That was the problem with Hitler. Wait, no, no. His dream outside of... No, but no. That's not. So what she's implying is that if so long as you want to make Germany German again. Oh, she doesn't believe the Holocaust happened. She uh, admitted that she does. She's like, no, Hitler is a homicidal maniac. I would never like say that. It's just that he he had dreams of expanding. There's no way in the world that she believes the Holocaust happened and can fix your mouth like, can say, you can that, say that come out of her mouth you can't come out of her mouth like it's the type of thing there are a lot of people who will just say it because you don't want that smoke by saying it publicly and then they'll just follow up with some bullshit like well you know hitler if you think of it this way no no that's a fail that sentence will fail and that's the sentence of someone who doesn't mm -hmm. believe in the holocaust it, it just yeah. isn't you can't you can't hear you cannot even have a loose understanding of what happened and be like oh well you know well here's an example hit well Hitler's nationalism failed here. Like, no. If he basically, if Hitler had remained a nationalist and didn't want to expand beyond the borders of Germany, then there wouldn't have been a problem. I don't I I don't think she know maybe she doesn't know what happened. <laughs> doesn't understand that the very definition of defining what Germany was was eradicating. Right. Jewish folk, anybody who wasn't Aryan. Yes. Every single person. Right. They had placed the entire blame on all the ills of Germany on a single group of people. And, um, yeah. And uh, they decided that it was time to do away with them to save Germany was to um, place the blame on and then eradicate the problem. That was, that's, that, that was, that's not, I don't think she knows. Either she doesn't know what happened or she doesn't believe it happened. And I'm going to go ahead and say that she probably doesn't believe it happened given who she looks to for inspiration and the things that she says that she believes. I'm going to say right. that she just doesn't even believe it happened. I probably. And it's also like, it gets back to that whole, um, 
you know, trying to like rhetorically parse like, well, I mean, the word nationalism, you're just talking about wanting to like promote the interests of a single nation. What's so wrong with that? Right. Right. Like nationalism thinks that we, that like one nation should just govern itself. Right. We should, we're self-determined. We shouldn't be defined by what other countries think we should do because they're there and we're here and we know what's best for us. Right. I don't agree with that because I like a sense of community, but okay, I can see that. And there's no murder yet because we're still just in a, we should define what's best for our own people. But it also is implying that like the idea of the nation is like a natural thing, which means that there's no like America was and always has been. Right. There were, there were no like, I don't know anyone else here before we decided to set up the United States of America established it in 1776. There's nothing here before that. We showed up here. It was like an empty, like an empty storefront. It was a void. There's nothing. There were no, just, there weren't, entire other nations of diverse indigenous folks here nah that's that was big empty wasteland and but it's also you know like we the nation is also like where we have the source of all of our political power but then it starts getting real gross because it becomes about a single national identity right right and what does that look like well, a national identity comprises culture, language, politics. And if all of a sudden we all have to be aligned in culture, language, how we worship or choose not to worship, and believing in only one singular history, then we start getting into some pretty gross yeah. transgressions historically. Yes, ma'am. We start fostering like what is considered a national culture, <laughs> which leads to, because the moment you define what a national culture is, the moment you define what a national language is, national religion, national politics, then you're defining what it isn't. And what it isn't also lives here. So what do we do with those people? Right. So no Candace. I don't care how mealy mouth you try to get. You're a Holocaust denier at best. Clearly. Clearly. Like, pull, why don't I have the suggestion? Girl, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get the fuck out of the sunken place. In fairness, the sunken place is lucrative. I always say that a black person that turns on black people will prop, you you can make passively $100,000 a year. Oh, maybe, is, you know what? Maybe she just got debt. I mean, I, she's twenty nine. I'd say this right. It, it there is no way. Just, just like I, I never actually checked. Like I want to know like the Patreon numbers for these people, the PayPal like statements and stuff. Because there's no way, there's no way you're not getting paid. Because this is this is this is what this is this is the good con- the good premium content white people like. When black people right. are like, this is fine. I don't get what all these other black people are worried. And then they turn towards the blacks and keep trying to essentially <laughs> broker all the statements white people can no longer say. That's good business. If we turn right. heel, if this podcast turned heel, we'd be lucrative by November of this year. Even with everyone, all the audience being like, what the fuck? There'd be a whole new audience be like, oh, yes, unreasonable price. Yes. I can't put my finger on it, but man. <laughs> yeah, this whole shift, I can't put my finger on it in here. I'm not gonna, but man, here's $100 a month. 
<laughs> Man. I feel better. Man, it just feels so good to listen to you guys. I just love your viewpoints. You're so logical and even killed. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't feel threatened at all. It's great. Five star reviews all up and down, thousands of dollars a month in Patreon. If somebody would probably, then they would have found somebody with a $2.7 million property would show up. You're like, hey guys, heard you guys are having some difficult times, but your message needs to be out there. Right. Here's my address. Don't worry about it. Just get comfortable, all of you. Make me feel so good and safe. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I think, I think Candace, I mean, maybe, maybe, like, maybe your dad, like, needs, like, a, a new kidney. We got medical bills. Listen, if you don't, the, uh, you are taught, we are all taught as black people. I don't, I'll say this. We are taught as black people that there's something wrong with black people on some level. We're, we're yeah. taught that by America. There comes a point where either you wholeheartedly accept it or you don't. If you wholeheartedly accept it as a black person, um, there might be money in it for you. It's true, and... but uh, here's a little bit of of uh, not breaking news because it's from October. But her father apparently posted on the ABC 15 Arizona Facebook page. Robert Owens Jr. says, "My daughter is Candace Owens, and she asked me to volunteer to support Martha McSally." But the negative ads are a big turnoff. Please ask her to please stick to the issues. I told Charlie Kirk to contact her campaign. What? Yeah. <laughs> her daddy straight up. <laughs> I said, can you please tell my daughter? <laughs> I do not approve of what she is doing because she's not taking my calls anymore. <laughs> well. She's making a good living then. I, you know, I hope so. Pay down them student loan bills, girl. You are throwing all of us under the bus, however, and you are denying the murder of millions of people to try and make a false rhetorical point. Like, did you not study anything, any history whatsoever? And, you know, it's funny, is there's nothing wrong with being um a fan of nationalism but it has to be inclusive if we were if if the united states like i said if the united states did evil if they wanted if you wanted to maximize our evil then we would include everyone in america as part of a massive valuable inclusive fleet of taking care of americas and like turn on like mexico and canada but like instead of like instead of trying to trying to get everybody to act like white people we would just accept everybody acts like everybody but if you're an american you're taking care of so we're like battle. It's like this fleet in Battlestar Galactica where it's like twenty five different ships. Yep. Right. It's like that. America is twenty five different ships, and you know who really sucks? Canada. I say this all the time. We could be as evil as we seem to want to be. Our leadership is hell bent on. We could do it, but we're too busy trying to get everybody to act like white. It's the least efficient way for us to be a nationalist evil country <laughs> possible. If you, if we, we could do it. We what about people with dual citizenship? They can have to make a choice. And you know what we would do? We would make the pot so sweet. We would make the pot so sweet that if you're like from Mexico and in America, why would you want to be a Mexican if we got your back so much? If the housing is subsidized. Because your family's in Mexico. Right. But if you bring them here, that's the thing. We'll be super inclusive. Bring them here. 
And if you're not an American citizen, you know, we'll make it we'll make it hard like it is to become an American citizen. But once you're here, we but got they you. already have a like a house, they have like a little villa in Mexico and they like to go visit grandma yeah, there. Yeah, make, that's fine. Then if you make she's, that, we, she's we, starting to, to get a little bit of dementia. Listen, and uh, when it's just better to be in a familiar surrounding. Hey, listen, you got to start that business out. The rest of us, 100 percent Americans. And you notice we're still going to take care of you, but you're going to have to make a choice one way or the other. But the rest of us here, we're going to go ahead and, um, like I said, invade Canada or something. <laughs> you know, like we, you're going to have to make a choice, but you're going to be so taken care of that. It's a hard choice. You're like, I understand we have this villa and my family's in Mexico, but I'm making two hundred thousand dollars a year being like a janitor. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like i'm sitting there like i have two teslas because i clean up after warriors games i don't know <laughs> it's tough <laughs> like in an american city is kind of lit <laughs> i just so what if what if we did something cray like just got rid of this worse hey listen i'm just saying i'm talking we about i i'm playing devil i'm playing i'm playing the best possible devil's advocate <laughs> without now the idea of borders is the easiest way to fix this problem but i just i i'm just playing like america Build seems a wall <laughs> right america seems to have this thing where we want to be a nationalist overbearing dominant country we want to be this millet we want to be the thing we want to be like the, the the force of good for the world in our eyes which we can do but we need to include everyone in america in on it we don't include yeah. enough American citizens in on it to be able to gain momentum for us to be this nationalist G.I. Joe. If we want to do the G.I. Joe thing, we can do it. But if you notice, G.I. Joe had every person in it. Hey, they were all racist caricatures, barefoot Asian guy, basketball <laughs> soldier with a basketball, Indian dude putting his ear to the ground to listen to stuff. I get it, right? But they had the right idea that if they were going to go fly everywhere else in the world and shoot at people, that they had to bring in every American to do it and value them and their love of basketball and eagles <laughs> and kung fu to do it. Which is like, it's racist, but it's not terribly off. It's not off the track. It's like, that's how if you, like I said, if America seems to have this desire for a thing and we're doing it wrong. I'm talking about if we were to do the thing America wants. It's not the thing I want us to do. But America seemed to, our leadership, the history of America, what we're trying to do is that. And we're doing it wrong. It needs to, so we, you're telling me we just need to look to our 1980s cartoons. Listen, the G.I. Joes are super fucking inclusive. Yeah, G.I. Joe, also, what was the wrestling one? Uh, I forgot the wrestling one. I watched, I used to watch that one all the time. And also had, like, the Native American man. Right. And, like, who's the mean gene... May you rest in peace. Um, uh, Hulk Hogan, who's super racist, but he was there. I mean, he kind of is America. Right. Right. Like, oh, Rock and Wrestling? Was it Rock and Wrestling? The yeah. one that had the junkyard dog in it. Yeah. Yeah. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Yes. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Yeah. Yes. I watched yeah. that all year. Right. It was only on TV for a year. Right. It was not. And I watched it the whole time. Of course you did. That's right. <laughs> every time junkyard doc came out the song came on of another one bites the dust that was his theme song and it had a good beat <laughs> so that's the america that we're going for is hulk hogan's rock and wrestling i mean i'm not i'm not saying i agree with it but it seems as though america has an intent and we're not going about it the right way and yeah. then we have a goal in a mind our leadership our predominantly white leadership wants this for america there's a very easy path to it is include all of America 
in, in your nationalist view of America. That's it. Right. It's 25 ships flying in the same direction. And fuck Canada and Mexico. Fuck it. Right. Fuck them. But that'll never happen because white, no. people, white people don't like sharing. No, people don't like sharing. Also, we, people... showed, we, we showed up here and murdered everybody. Like, we hit the ground we, killing people. Yeah, That's we wild. did. That's yeah. wild. But we, I mean, it would be helpful if, if we kind of started even from that point of we did come here and murder everyone. That right. did happen. I mean, we've talked about reconciliation with uh, slavery, but like, what about reconciliation with all the Native Americans? Jesus. I mean, Donald Trump literally just made a Trail of Tears joke. Like, it's just that I don't want to talk about that. Um, so we got Candace Owens selling out her people since 2010. And then my favorite, Joy Villa. I actually didn't even know who this woman was. She just like showed up at the Grammys, I think, wearing a wild outfit one day. And I was like, who is this? And at first I saw her, I was like, oh, look, at she's got like a cute little natural look at her little hair. She's got like a like a pop lip. Who is this person? And then she like has this dress reveal and it's like a rainbow abortion baby. And I was like, what? Pro-life. Not just pro-life, but like so she showed up at the Grammys wearing a build the wall like chain mail dress and a make America great again bag. Right. That's what she did. That's what she did. She's some kind of I'm still trying to kind of figure out who she is. She's um she's, she's a musician. Right. Um I guess. So I want I went to go and like look up her her music. And I think I put a link in our in our lesson it. plan. I think we got it. Let's see. I think we got let's it. Check it. Let's check this out. Okay, she's like a singer-songwriter. What's that noise? That's her. Oh, that, wait, that's her singing? She's getting ready. She's got to get warmed up. Let her sing. What's happening? She's singing. Hold on, let her get warmed up. Give her a second. Okay, wait, wait, stop, stop. Was that the song? That was the song. She's getting. Are you sure that was? It sounds like feedback. She's getting warmed up from me. It sounds like me trying to sing with a cold. That wasn't me. She's um. What was that? She's getting warmed up. Hold on. She's still got it. She's still got it. She's still got. Hold on. She's got it. She's got it. She's got it now. She took a deep breath. She got her glass of water. She's ready. Here we go. Here we go. She's warmed up. Give her a second. After the chorus, she's going to be ready. There she goes. Okay. Okay. She's getting ready now. I can see it in her eyes. She's ready now. She's coming out. See? Hold on. There you go. The piano's here. This is, pa- this is passionately a bad song, by the way. This. Passionately. It is. Like, the laziest 
What is this? It's Trivilla. So I'm going to have to to just, I guess, come correct that not every single thing that a black woman touches is gold. Is she on Patreon? Let me see this Patreon. Hold on. I thought that everything that we did was amazing and I am wrong. (laughs) This woman has just proved that we are capable of subpar mediocrity, I guess. I don't even know. I still don't understand what she's doing. (laughs) She lives down in LA. She's got a bunch of singles including Make America Great Again. She also filed a complaint against Corey Lewandowski because I guess he sexually harassed her at a holiday party. Don't do that. Gross. Um, gross. She, she's also, she just keeps showing up at the, at the Grammys. So, my understanding of the Grammys is that like it's it's not terribly difficult to get an invite to go to the Grammys. Um I heard So all... she just she just keeps going. I mean there is enough I mean in fairness there is enough um there are enough people that probably support her message like if if you look at the actual YouTube like the video like the the video the comments is less lots of people feeling really they're feeling themselves. <laughs> um, well, well, let's see. Now that now this there there are so some positive people, and then there's shade. I love the shade. There's just like bad. Yeah, that's, I mean, she's not good. No, no, she's not good. She cannot sing. This is this is not. Um, yeah, she's really bad. If you're going to make a pro Trump song, at least sing on tune. Yeah, it's not. That wasn't good. No, that's uh, that's bad. And also, when is she talking about our whose dignity is she talking about? Like, quick message to Joy Villa and Candace. I understand that. I mean, I don't know what it is that you think you're trying to do, but you're trying to get that paper, I guess. And that's fine. But like, when we all get cast out into the ocean or whatever it is that the plans are for, um, the white powers that be just because you're going to be last to be thrown in the ocean doesn't mean you're not going to get thrown in the ocean <laughs> like you're just last because <laughs> they kind of like having you around that's how this works like does, do Candace Owens and Joy Villa not have any other black friends I'm certain that they had them um, I assume it's uh, knowing the I, I remember the Rachel Dolez, Dolezal documentary where she had black <laughs> friends and they she were like, did. um, uh, uh, no, this is no. And she Mm-mm. was like, fuck it. Um, and I imagine that these two ladies here, Candace Owens and Joy Villa, were also like, fuck it. I'm certain that the black friends have been sheared off by now, especially Candace Owens, who publicly um goes out at least joy villa like paces herself she 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 hides and then she emerges in a in a new like a a build a wall right dress right or make america great again flag dress also i'm just mad that i watched this video on my youtube and now my algorithm's all messed up 
Oh yeah, I think I fucked my shit up too. That's Damn. Fine. You gotta reset. <laughs> I apologize to our listeners for subjecting you to some off-key, like low-brand nonsense MAGA bullshit music. I am very sorry. But it just goes to show that you don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. You do not, because that's what these ladies is doing. And it is not a good look. Not a good look at all. So yeah, that's when I saw her and, and Candace Owens, I was like, wow, this is this is gonna be the best uh Black History Month ever. Ever. <sighs> Speaking of Black History Month, I wanna make a quick note about the year sixteen nineteen. Can I make a quick go into history a little bit for a moment? Sure. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like I expect you to say no. No, don't tell us any history, Dasha. You're going to silence so, black women abruptly after an hour and 25 minutes. Yes. <laughs> Just a brief moment. Brief moment. Listen, listen, listen. 1619 has been floating around for a while. Northam tried to show that he um, knew something about black history when he had an interview with Gail on CBS this morning, wherein he talks about how it's he's understands the struggle because ever since the history of this country in 1619 when the first african indentured servants arrived excuse me yeah which gail then said you mean slaves also called slavery (laughs) also called you let gail school school you sir did he come on tv (laughs) To try and tell black people what he knew, and within five seconds, was within using five the seconds. said indentured servants instead of slaves. Yeah, got it. Yep. Please continue. Yep. Now, I think it is important that the whole idea of indentured versus slavery versus America versus like all of these are constructs, right? That are based in like legal designations and how people were defining things. So to be clear, in the year 1619, and it's very popular right now because it is now 2019. So it was 400 years ago to the year. These 20 and odd Negroes, that's a quote, arrived off the coast of Virginia where they were bought for victual by labor-hungry English colonists. So this is the first time that we have Africans who are coming to serve the English colonies. Now, their status when they arrived was actually, you could say that they were indentured because they weren't described, because there wasn't technically slavery yet, because they were the first. But a law was passed later that actually was like, now these niggas are slaves now. (laughs) So it kind of doesn't matter to define them as indentured servants. When they just became slaves anyway. So just say they were slaves. It kick-started slavery in the, Amer- in, in the English colonies. I'm not saying America. And the reason why is that actually there were black folks that were running around with, in the Americas far before that. So 1619, it's a nice year. It's, it's a good fact to have under your belt. But it is not when things all got started. So the honest truth is that 
1526, some enslaved Africans who were part of a Spanish expedition to establish an outpost in what is now South Carolina launched a rebellion because they were like, fuck this shit in November of that year and completely destroyed the entire Spanish settlement. Oh, dear. And it was abandoned a year later. That was 100 years before Jamestown. Hmm. And was, you know, 80 odd years before the first Africans arrived, supposedly arrived in America. So I just want to be clear that, like, black folks have been informing and affecting history and participants in history since before 1619. And in ways that we often kind of flatten and under interrogate. So I think that 1619 is a good year to remember, but also so is 15. 1526. I like that year because they just, it was just seriously a bunch of black folks who were like, fuck all of this! <laughs> fuck you, fuck this, fuck everything. We're done. So this is the first North American slave revolt. Then we have our first um, Muslim who arrives in 1527. Then we have 1619 with the first Africans in English colonies. Now, bear in mind, from the 16th century, 1500s, the Spanish were coming and going. The sea was rife with thievery and piracy. You've got the Spanish, the French, the Dutch, the English, who are all fighting each other. Naval warfare abounds. And they had treasure in the form of rum sugar, spices, gold, silver. And guess what? Lots of niggas. They had <laughs> Africans on the ships. <laughs> so they'd take over a ship and they'd steal all the black people and put them to work somewhere. We need more rum. We need more sugar. We need indigo. So when you see 1619, I'm glad people are learning about it. I'm glad that that's a moment in that that Northam remembers, but th there's so much more to the story than that. And I would hope that people would take a few minutes to just like look up our collective history because it isn't just black history. It's it's all of us. It's all of our histories. And we didn't just show up here as slaves by the way. We were kidnapped Africans. Let's be clear. People who were stolen from their homes to come and work for English colonists. People who were stolen from their homes to work for Spanish, quote, unquote, explorers. <laughs> Discovering the new world. Come on, man. <laughs> the Spaniards learned that they needed to bring Africans over because... When they tried to enslave the Native Americans here, do you know what the Native Americans did? I mean, this is their home. They were like, fuck you, and would leave. <laughs> and they knew all of the backcountry. They knew all of the places to go. And then they would, like, stage big attacks because they were like, this is our house. Get the fuck out. So the Spaniards were like, uh-oh. <laughs> Can't keep doing that. <laughs> so they brought in Africans who didn't know where they were. So... 1619 is important, but that's not 
that's not when we all get started. And that should be the case for any important year that we think about. 1492, also, not when the, quote, new world was discovered. No. No. First of all, there are already a lot of people here who had been here for a very long time. 1492 marks the day when, like, some Italian asshole drunkenly shows up at the wrong place. Hmm. That's, that's 1492. So, to close out this TED Talk, <laughs> I would just like to remind everybody to, when you, when you do the first, don't just start throwing around 1619 like you think you know something. Listen to your fellow historians. They know what they're talking about. It has been so funny to watch historians on Twitter literally screaming. There was like this collective historian scream the moment that Northam was like the indentured servants, the African indentured servants in 1619. <laughs> These poor historians just lost their ever-loving minds. Pay attention to them. They've studied for a very, very long time, and they know what they're talking about. They've looked at primary sources. <laughs> They've looked at secondary sources. They've written them. So you should listen to them and just know this: there's a plethora of stories and they don't just begin and end in a year. End of rant. All right. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm willing to leave. I'm willing to leave the program on that note. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. I mean, Everyone's got a couple weeks left of Black History Month, right? To do a little bit of reading, um, do some apologizing, send some money. I just I can't imagine it can get much worse in the next two weeks. But at the same time, I'm black in America, and I know it will. <laughs> I mean, white white folks made a strong push. Yeah, they came out. Um, I mean, it's, this is just how black white people celebrate Black History Month. Um, is that where we are? Isn't that white people celebrate everything? <laughs> like, hey, they, I've never seen them celebrate another culture without just trying to put it on their goddamn face and dance around what they think it looks like. <laughs> I've never seen it happen. They just can't, they're incapable of observing with respect. So I've never seen it. So, I mean, in small bursts, maybe, but I've never seen it long term. So, like, this is white folks jumping in on Black History Month right here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So well, I think um Yeah, I think that's the interruption. I think we're good here. Um Who's our MVP? Um uh Joy Villa. She's she's our MVP. She's because our I'm MVP. looking at the comments and even the racists, even the racists and the nationalists and the pro American Trump people are like, girl, you can't sing. <laughs> which is fascinating because you can't get americans to agree on a lot <laughs> that is true so to be able to get hundreds of people hundreds of comments or people are like listen i mean i love america and i voted for trump but you can't this is this ain't no this ain't good this ain't good everyone's like this ain't good you're not no 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 just stop yeah she she brought america together she she accomplished her goal yeah thank you Thank you for that. Singing completely off key and wearing rainbow abortion dresses. I mean, we don't. We 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 don't. I mean, 
America, America is very much like I'm the average American citizen. They don't know what they want, but they sure know what they don't want. And we clearly don't want that. And in that we can come together and, and I guess we can have a blessed black history month, riding the <laughs> momentum from our shared hatred of Joyville's ability to sing. Even if she's singing things that, um, is pandering to a certain subset of America, they don't want to hear her do it. And, uh, yeah. All right, MV- MVP. Way to go, Joy Villa. Nicely done. Bringing America together with your horrible, 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 horrible music. It's just the worst singing voice I've I've heard in a minute. It's fine. It is the worst singing voice I've heard in a minute. It's fine. That's why we're going to go ahead and um wrap this up with uh the bat dance. If I didn't know that, I really wish you had never shown me this. Because now I feel really bad about the, loving the previous ten years, the, the the ten year, the last ten years of Marvel movies. Because we'll never get this. There'll never be a, a Iron Man dance. There'll never be an As. They'll never. No one will ever break out in the Asgardian ever. Yeah, we're walking. We're walking away with the bat dance. All right, folks. Happy Black History Month. <laughs> Except you guys with the shoe polish on your face. No. You and the people yourself. who don't get why it's a thing. And yeah, you guys can go fuck yourself. But the rest of us, bat dance. Cheek busting. Like, I understand that we're building towards some type of resolution involving Thanos, but if there was a dance party. And then they cut to credits and they never talked about it again. And just we just want and saw Spider-Man 2. I'd be fine with that. Like, I don't like I knew I'd be like, remember that time the Thanos, that whole 10 year story arc resulted in a dance party that didn't end. <laughs> and then we just started. You just moved on to Captain Marvel and Spider-Man like nothing happened. It's like, yeah, that was my favorite moment in movie watching history. All together. <laughs> Like, where is this suit, by the way? This half Batman, half Joker costume. And where, and where is the have the iron man dance we'll never have several dancers in red suits dancing we'll never have the asgardian we'll never have the infinity dance and this all sucks now nope. we're, we're in a worse yeah. place because of it good night everybody <laughs> bye enjoy what you heard become a patreon subscriber at patreon.com unfridays and follow the network at 
twitter.com slash unfridays. Help us to take over the airwaves and destroy centuries of misinformation perpetuated by colonizer propaganda. Or, you know, buy us a coffee and a few video games. <laughs>